Media Masters with Paul Blanchard. Welcome to Media Masters, a series of one-to-one interviews with people at the top of the media game. Today I'm joined down the line by Enzamam Rashid, Sky News' North of England correspondent. Based in Manchester, Enzamam covers a range of national stories, including most recently the Nicola Bully disappearance, as well as breaking news. His reports have highlighted the disproportionate impact COVID-19 has had on ethnic minority communities, the revelations of dozens of toxic waste dumps across the UK, and the return of international cricket to Pakistan. In 2021, Enzamam was named as 30 to Watch winner in the news category and received an Asian media award for his reporting on the coronavirus pandemic of 2020. Enzi, thank Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Paul. It's a pleasure to be here. Does it uh, confuse people that professionally you're known as Inzaman, but, but your <laughs> friends call you Inzi? Inzaman is a, is a bit of a mouthful, I reckon, when you go for the, the full hog, Inzaman Rashid. So Inzi is, is quite nice, short and, and snappy and a, and a bit different as well. You get a lot of people going, that's an unusual name, isn't it? When they first hear it. So I'm, I'm quite happy with that. Inzi is fine. Well, me too. I mean, I've got a boring name of all. <laughs> Everyone's called that. But, I mean, tell us, Inzi, then, how did you get to this such precocious success so early? Did you always want to be a journalist? It's weird you say early because you always want more and you always feel like I should be doing more as the years go by. Uh, I'm 28 now and I kind of think, oh, you know, I, I still should be a lot further in my career than I am now. But I, I am also very uh, grateful as to where I am. And sometimes you do get a bit of imposter syndrome. You know, really, am I actually doing this job? Uh, And, you know, how quickly it's all come about. Yes, I have always wanted to be a journalist. Ever since I was a kid, you know, my dad wouldn't let us stay up past nine o'clock. And the only way we could is if we watched the nine o'clock news. And so as a kid, I know, naturally, I just wanted to stay up late. I actually got obsessed with the news because my dad would make us sit in front of the telly and watch it. And I think one thing that I saw growing up as a, as a young Asian kid in Warrington in, um, in the north of England was that, yeah, I didn't really see many people who looked like me on the news or doing the news. It was mainly people who looked like me who were actually in the news and often for something quite bad. And so when I kind of saw that, I thought, hang on, I, you know, I want to have a go at doing that. I, I think I could do it. And so that really sparked my interest to get into journalism, get into doing the news and get into telling stories from um, communities uh, across the country and, and across the world. Was it always going to be TV news then? I loved the idea of TV news. But when I first had a taste of radio, when I started my career at, at Bauer uh, working at Q103, where it was then called Radio City and and Rock FM, all in the northwest, um, and then and then moving to BBC Radio Manchester. I loved radio. I loved being descriptive. I loved that kind of connection that you have with the audience. I loved presenting radio shows, and you could really bring out your personality uh, when you kind of had your own show. So I really really liked that intimacy of radio and the descriptiveness of it. But then when you kind of dabble your your toe into a bit of telly and you get to tell a story in a different way, I really, really liked um, the idea of TV. And it's not, you know, I'm not a big kind of, oh, kind of everyone recognise me and you all know who I am. I just love the art of being able to um, get someone who sat at home across the country be interested in a story that you are telling. And TV can be so gripping 
And I'm gripped by it every single day that I watch telly, be it news or dramas or whatever. And so to be a part of that industry is just, um, it's a real honor and a privilege. What were the first steps that you took along the way? So when I was at the BBC, I was really lucky enough to get a staff job uh, at BBC Radio Manchester. And, and a staff job for someone who was early 20s was like gold dust. It was uh, pretty unheard of. And so I was really lucky that I was in that position. And the great thing about being at the BBC in Salford is that it's very open plan. So you've got BBC Breakfast, you've got BBC Northwest Tonight, the regional channel, and you've got kind of, you know, BBC Sports. And you can just kind of walk around and speak to people. So I... I I was a big hustler and still am a big hustler and hustled and managed to get, you know, kind of stories on TV and uh, and managed to kind of do get, get my journalism shown and known by different outlets of the BBC and then beyond. And, you know, people at Sky saw some of my work and um, I was called down to have a, a coffee by one of the bosses at Sky and the kind of rest was history, as they say, really. And um and, you know, I, I really felt Sky News was an organization that just really fits the kind of journalist that I am, or essentially the other way around. I, as a journalist, the kind of journalist I am really fits the way that Sky News operates. And I really like that because it, it's a good match and it means that, you know, it's only success that that can come ahead. I mean, Sky is still an incredible product. I'm a TV news obsessive as well. And I, I've been, my wife accuses me about being obsessed with news presentation, like any new graphics or things <laughs> or music. I'm like totally into it. I once yeah. shushed her about 10 years ago because I think Sky had completely rebranded. And she just started chatting with me at the top of the hour when I was like listening to the new musical bits. And she was like, you're weird. Yeah. I am totally obsessed with that stuff as well. I can't, I can't deny it. You know, I think we had um, when the U.S. election happened a couple of years back, and I think I saw like a sneak preview of like the, the results and the promos and the graphics and stuff like that. And it's so weird to say, but things like that just get you so excited because, especially when you're part of kind of a big moment like that, or when you're kind of a part of an organization that puts so much effort into those things. Um, you know that that you're kind of involved in that and, and you're a, a layer as part of that kind of showpiece that's on display. And I think that's just really exciting to be a part of. And so, you know, hearing all those little things and seeing the graphics and hearing the theme tune even to the top of the hour, knowing that you're gonna be live, you know, in a few seconds, it still kind of gets your heart going a bit. And again, it's a real kind of honor and a privilege to be uh, involved in all of that. And, and I actually quite love that feeling. I mean, you've broken some incredible stories already. What does a typical week look like? Can you paint a picture for our listeners? How do you go about getting these stories <laughs> and then getting them to air? There, there's a short question with a big, long answer to do. I mean, a week is not typical in news, I don't think, and, and, and definitely not in Sky News. There are stories absolutely everywhere. And particularly in the north of England, I love being on this patch, not least because... You know, I was born and, and raised here, but because um, the people here, the stories here, the, um, you know, the kind of uh, ability to, to link with Northerners and to tell their stories is just, it's something that you can't compare to when you're, when you're based down in London. I, you know, I've had the experience of both and, and being up here and being able to tell stories from up here, uh, I just feel so much more comfortable being able to do that. Um, but in terms of kind of, you know, what does a, a typical week look like? I mean, you're constantly speaking with contacts. You're, you're constantly at your laptop trying to 
um, you know, gather story ideas. You're, you're constantly speaking to people about whether they're up for doing an interview or a lot of the time it is reacting to breaking news. Um, you know, you mentioned at the beginning the Nicola Bully story. That was three and a half weeks of just day in, day out breaking news. And sometimes that can take a toll on you and be a bit frustrating in the sense that but I just want to work on some of my own stories, my own digging, my own investigations. And but a lot of the time that has to take a backseat. And with a 24 now hour news channel, you've always got to be ready to go, always got to be ready to deliver the news and deliver it in a way which is informative. Yes, quick. So you get it out there for the viewer, but also reliable, also that you're trustworthy, also that your judgment is correct on air. And there is so many things to take into account, particularly with a 24-hour news channel. But, you know, yeah, working on breaking news is amazing. But having the time to work on your stories, to investigate and to really put something out there, which is a, a labour of love, is a really great feeling as well. How do you sort of find these stories? Because they are so eclectic. You've got the return of international cricket to Pakistan, revelation of dozens of toxic waste dumps across the UK, dozens of them, the disproportionate impact that COVID-19 has had on ethnic minority communities. Is there a thread that runs through this? That's quite interesting about whether there is a thread or not. I think a lot of it is, is things that, you know, happen in conversation. A lot of the stories that I have done, that I've personally investigated, that I've put time into, that we've done, uh, you know, that we've pumped a lot of resource into to, to kind of get answers and results. That has come from a lot of conversation during the pandemic. You know, I was speaking to doctors and nurses and uh, family members even, and people who were key workers at the time. And I was finding a lot of black and brown ethnic minorities were being impacted by COVID-19. That you know, sprung me into action to investigate it. Um, toxic waste dumps, you know, I was speaking to a local councillor who told me about how in Chester there was this toxic waste dump and he told me about it. We went down there, checked it out, we investigated it and found out actually there was loads of these uh, unknown toxic waste dumps across the country. And then there are stories like I interviewed the, the Chinese consul general in Manchester who was um, pictured pulling a protester's hair into the the consulate grounds. An interview like that, which is pretty unheard of, you know, a very senior Chinese diplomat in the UK speaking on camera, we pushed and pushed and pushed for this guy to give us an interview, to, to, to give his side of the story. Uh, and then when we finally got it, you sit there and you're in front of this guy who has essentially committed a crime. And, you know, you, you've, got to, you've got to kind of go for him. So these stories, you know, they don't just kind of end up on your lap. You have to work hard for them. But a lot of them come through conversation and being damn right nosy as well and just listening to what people have got to say and what are some of the issues that people across the country are facing and witnessing and then just taking the time to investigate it. And I love that bit, actually, Paul. You know, I love the whole idea of, right, someone's, you know, a small kind of nugget that someone has given you and then you investigating it and revealing that actually there is a wide scale problem and and when you kind of as a journalist when you do that and when you bring that into the spotlight it's a really um it's a really great feeling as well because it feels that you've you, you've done some good to unearth an issue that many people are facing 
Is it a tough industry for a young Northern Asian man to break into? I mean, did you have to sort of hustle? Is it is it that sort of big companies are aware of the fact that they're, that, that, as you were saying earlier, that the people on screen don't look like the people who are watching the screen? Uh, you know, you, they, they need to look like the country that they're reporting to. Or, 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 so were they sort of mm. keen to, to have you or, or was it still a discrimination? I'm, I'm fascinated because obviously I'm a, I'm a white bloke. I, I literally don't understand. I, I mean, look, I'll be brutally honest with you. I think journalists who have been in the industry a lot longer than I have, you know, the people who I look up to, Krishnan Gurumurthy, Michelle Hussain, um, Faisal Islam, Darsh Nasani from Channel 4 News. These are journalists who uh, have been around for, for a good while. And I think they really had to bear the brunt of being an Asian, British Asian journalist in, in the industry. I think they had it a lot tougher than than the likes of me. But, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It has been difficult. And it is difficult being a young Asian, British Asian, Northern journalist. There are barriers that I have faced, no doubt. There are comments that I have experienced from uh, senior managers of of previous employees that I've just found uh, a bit odd and a bit bizarre and uh, and it's all down to education I think and I like to be a part of that kind of education process and also like to be a part of improving the diversity within our newsrooms that's a really important thing to me and I try to give back as much as I possibly can to help the industry move in a better direction it isn't easy it really isn't easy and there are many barriers that, that you do have to face but actually, once you're in there, you are in the privileged position to, to give back and, and, and help. And I hope that I'm doing that in the right way and continue to do that. I think you're a fantastic reporter with a, uh, it sounds like, I was going to say with a bright future, but that makes me sound really patronising. But I, I think I love <laughs> your enthusiasm and your drive. I was going to ask you about how you how you engender trust, because that's a huge part of being a reporter. You have to build mm. a personal relationship up with the families that are affected in big stories like this. How much of it is down to your, you know, like your interpersonal skills? And like, you're obviously clearly mm. a nice guy, personable. Is it about that ability to connect with people and build a rapport? Yeah, that that is really interesting. And it's such a, a crucial part of the job you know I've done so many stories where I have been the first person to speak to the family member who's at you know the center of this story and yeah obviously that is a great feeling when you get that exclusive interview and you know you tell someone's story and often I've thought what is it what is the kind of secret recipe because a few people have asked me but I think it is about just being personable it's about being a human it's about being yourself it's about trying to put yourself in their shoes in their situation why on earth would they want to step away from their grieving process to talk to a journalist with two three cameras around them like why why would you want to do that and and I have to put myself in their situation and try and answer that question and then approach them in the manner which is with respect with is with decency you know is with you know, integrity as well, and just making sure that you are following respectful guidelines and that you're not overstepping the mark, because that's hugely important. And I take that with me in absolutely every kind of approach that I do in every story that I cover. But you're right, you're having your personality to kind of approach these people is hugely important. But also, Paul, I think having a personality when you're you know, doing the news, when you're on the telly, when you're actually reporting the news is really important. You've got millions of people sat at home. 
and they want to be informed they want to know the facts they want to know the truth of what's going on but you can't just be you know a boring old monotonous kind of reporter on the telly I think you have to have a bit of flair about you a bit of kind of watchability if that's even a word I think you know you, you've got to be able to make people want to be interested in what you've got to say and I, I think that's a big personality thing I think that is there naturally or it isn't how do you build up a rapport with someone that you're going to try to hold to account because you must be there's an inevitably a bit of tension is there not in a, a relationship like that yeah that is that that is interesting I think most people who you're going to hold to account probably know that you're going to hold them to account so I kind of go in well they know that I'm going to actually tear them to shreds here uh, and that uh, I'm going to rip into them but so I think that helps in a way because you're like, okay, well, they know I'm going to do that. So we don't need to talk about that. I think you go in and, and be yourself. You know, I don't see it as a me versus them kind of thing. I don't see it like that. I see it as I'm here to do my job. I'm here to hold this person to account because rightly, you know, they deserve it. And people at home deserve answers. People want answers. And I think you go in, be yourself chatty friendly you don't need to be cagey from the beginning and then when when that camera is rolling that's when you know essentially that performance happens that's when they know they've got to perform me as a journalist I know I've got to perform and so that red button that recording button is a big kind of barrier between the kind of normal life of chit chat to right the camera's rolling and and off we go do you have to fight hard to get stories from the North placed in the, the running order? Or is it that you also have to be reactive that if a huge story takes place that's mm. of national significance that just happens to be in the North, like covering the awful uh, Nicola Bully disappearance, you happen to bump mm. into the dog walker who'd found her mobile phone. How much of it is sort of that you're the national guy that's in the North or is it that you're advocating for Northern stories to be more relevant? What's the mix? You know, I think there is a big push, particularly, you know, working for Sky News, there is a big, big push to do more stories from the north of England, particularly when it comes to kind of people-focused stories. So when we're talking about a lot of politics, you know, we want to get out of London, we want to get out of kind of what the people in that Westminster bubble think. And I think doing a lot of stories in the north of England really helps that, you know, we're going through a cost of living crisis where people will be disproportionately impacted and specifically those in the north of England who aren't as well off. And so, you know, we cover a lot of those stories from the north of England. And it's really important that we get out and we hear voices from right across the different regions uh, in the UK. So I'm, you know, I'm really lucky that we're up here, that I get to kind of explore a load of different stories. And it, and for a lot of people who are based down south in London, who've never been up, you know, north or, or past the M25 or whatever, actually, it's a real eye opener. Sometimes the stories to them from here and 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 that kind of fills me with a bit of joy bit of joy actually because you're informing people who've got no idea of what people are like up here what kind of people are going through that's really important when it comes to you know the kind of Nicola Bully story and, and 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 other kind of big breaking news stories that you get in the north of England they naturally fall into the agenda and I think when there is interest in a story far and wide, like there was with the Nicola Bully case, like there was with, with Ellie Edwards, who was murdered on, on Christmas Eve. That was a big story that, that we covered up here as well, that, that led the news agenda for a good few days. You know, when big breaking news stories uh, like that happen, they naturally 
kind of lead the agenda and bosses are naturally interested in it the public are naturally interested in it and um you know it's a great thing when the bulletins are led by the north of england but i still think that there are a lot more kind of positive stories from the north that that need to be told and and i hope that you know kind of in due course that's something that that i can do that i can do more of now that there is the feels that there is an active space and the news agenda for stories from the north because bosses want that i hope that we can tell more kind of you know positive inspiring stories from the north of england i mean the bbc news channel has cut back its domestic coverage i mean do you think that's a big opportunity for sky to be the uk's news channel and, and invest in in regional news manifested in, in your good self I, I mean absolutely i think there's always opportunities to to invest in the regions and sky has done that a lot over the last year actually we've got an amazing team up here we've got a northeast correspondent we've got three correspondents in the northwest we've got a, a, you know producers we've got camera crews and you know we've got kind of a local regional contact producers as well interviews producers and 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 so we you know we have got a great number of resources up here obviously i would love more as any journalist who's in the region would love more resources but it we have got a good presence up here and i like to think that we are in a very very good position to not only react to big breaking news stories but also invest our time to tell the stories of the north but you're right i think there is a gap there now with what bbc have decided to do and I really hope that we can kind of soak up a lot of those contacts, a lot of that time, a lot of that um, those stories and, and, and tell them, because I think it's hugely important that we continue to tell stories from the regions. How big is the rivalry between the news channels then? Is it is it a bit like Anchorman? Do you remember when they had that fight <laughs> in the car park? <laughs> like, at the end of the day, you're chasing the same stories. Yeah, I've always got my cricket bat in the boot of my car just in case uh, uh, BBC or ITV rock up. No, I'm joking. That, that is definitely not the case. <laughs> we'll let it out the bit is... where you said you were joking, just, just for mischief. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Purely a cricket bat for cricket. Um, no, uh, the rivalry, it is there. It is absolutely there. But also, this industry is really, um, it, you know, is, as big as it might seem, it is actually quite small and everyone knows everyone, you know, um, we work very closely in a lot of cases, uh, the BBC, ITV, Sky, Channel 4, um, particularly in the north of England, you know, we all do work together, even with some of the radio organisations as well, because often we have to do pooled interviews where one broadcaster will do it and it's shared out to all the other broadcasters just to kind of make life easier for the person we're interviewing. You know, you have to have that relationship, that's really important. But it is also competitive, and I think that's the nature of this industry. And everyone knows that, and everyone agrees with that, and gets on with it. And I think it's healthy competition because, yes, you know, you want to be the first to an interview, or you want to be the first to break that news, or you want to be the first to investigate a particular topic, uh, and you want to be the, the the person who tells that story in, in a better way with kind of better visuals or better interviews or you know all all those kind of things and you are you always are looking out for those kind of things and that and that is important because i think it helps you keep your drive and keeps your determination to deliver but i'm also of the belief that i've got my own style in storytelling i've got my own way in approaching people i've got my own way in approaching a breaking news story and all the kind of the way that the BBC work or the ITV work or Channel 4 work, I kind of 
leave that to one side. I focus on me, focus on the way I'm going to do it, the way I'm going to deliver for Sky News and the way that it, we are kind of programmed to make sure that we deliver the news in the right way. And I think that's hugely important. Yeah, because sometimes you'll be delivering good news or news that's of interest, and then other times you've got to deliver incredibly sad news to millions of viewers. Mm. Do you do you sort of get in the moment and say, right, I've got to be... It's almost like, is it like playing a character? How do you actually deliver bad news on air? It's really tough, Paul. It's a, it's a really tough thing. You know, I've, got, I've done some interviews with people... Um, you know, Ellie Edwards' father, Ellie Edwards, who was shot dead on Christmas Eve in, in, in Wallace. I interviewed her father, who broke down on camera. Really, really tough. It's really, really tough to sit there and watch people break down when they are going through so much pain, unimaginable pain. But again, you just have to be a human in, in that instance. And that's really important that there is also a duty of care there as well for the people that you are speaking to. And I carry that with me wherever I go and whatever story I cover. And when you're breaking news stories, sad news stories, when you're talking about deaths, when you're talking about a sad incident that has occurred, you know, there's just got to be an element of empathy and you've just got to be a bit human in those situations, I think. You know, if there's a real tragic new story that has happened naturally you've just got to be a bit sympathetic and I think you know you don't need to be over the top you don't need to be kind of in tears and you know I've got a face on you and things like that but you know uh, your natural bit of empathy and, and kind of sympathy towards what's happened I think that will come across and I think it will also be appreciated by the viewer who will obviously find it you know, a, a very kind of distressing and sad story. You don't want someone who's happy, jolly telling you that story. You don't want someone who's, you know, devastated and is in tears telling you that story. You just want to deliver it professionally and with empathy and, and humility, I think. And, and that's really important. Do you have to kind of switch off your own emotions as a human when you're seeing bad things happen? Because you've got a responsibility as a journalist to get it to end. You can't be sort of visibly upset. And how do you balance that? Because I've asked this question before with like people mm. in the theatre of war where they've got to get on with it. And then when they get back to the hotel or they even get back home months later, it suddenly hits them what they've seen. Yeah, that is really tough. I'll give you an example of where I kind of the first time I struggled was during the pandemic, actually, I think I went to five funerals in a row and spoke to five different families who, who lost loved ones from COVID. And that was that was really tough because, you know, at the time you do it, you, you, you go interview them. It's a difficult interview. You get past that. You edit it. You have to watch it all back, listen to it all back. You edit it uh, and put a piece together. And then you're doing that five days in a row. I remember the sixth day I got home and kind of I think lay in bed and I was like, sheesh, I've just been to five different funerals back to back of people who were way too young to die because of the pandemic. People who were skilled, you know, people who had came from different walks of life. And that was pretty brutal, actually. And I remember thinking, yeah, that's that's pretty rough, but you have to kind of hide that emotion away from from, from the new, you've got to be professional at the end of the day. That's no denying that. And, and you know, there, I've got a lot of colleagues who've spent a lot of time in war zones who will have seen some brutal stuff. Alex Crawford, who I'm an absolute, you know, admirer of. Um, she, she is a real journalistic hero of mine. Stuart Ramsey as well, both work at Sky News. 
you know, these people have seen a lot over over the time of being of being journalists, and they continue to deliver professionally. And I'm in I'm in awe of that because it must be very very difficult. I mean, it's something that I know that I I will be able to do because the news to me is so important that you have to tell the stories and and kind of not get involved. But um, it's a very, very difficult task to keep your emotions away. But those who can do it, I think, do it for for the right reason. And that's because they need to tell the story to the viewer and keep themselves, keep their emotions out of the story so they're not involved. So the focus is solely on on what's going on and what the story is. Do you think that TV news is is less London-centric now? They used to be the alternative that you would either have London or nothing, whereas now obviously there's Salford and uh, Sky are investing in, well, investing in yourself and others. Uh, do you feel now that London isn't the only route or do you still feel that to get ahead in TV news, you, you ultimately, you know, all roads lead to London? I mean, look, the BBC move up to Salford was huge and did a lot for so many people, including me. You know, I I really benefited from, from that and the, the real kind of resource and the amazing kind of, offices and studios that that they piled into Salford is is really is really brilliant uh you know channel four are investing a lot into Leeds which is great ITV have boosted a lot of their kind of uh, resources in the north of England so I think yeah there is a natural shift from across TV news to really get out of London to get into the regions and to tell stories from people's perspective those who are you know, not based in London, those who don't have, you know, fancy homes and big jobs and, you know, those who also just aren't around the corner from Houses of Parliament, you know, those who have lived everyday experiences. And I think that's hugely important. And, I, and, I, and I've seen it happen over, over the last few years. And, I, and it's a real pleasure to see as well, because I think you can be a journalist who graduates from a university from in the north of England. And I, and I think now, now you don't have to move down to London to make it. I think you can make it just by being in the north of England. And I think that's hugely important because it means that it gives a lot more people opportunity up here than than normally it would have done. What advice would you give to someone starting out in their career from a similar background who want to break into TV news? I mean, I watched TV news as avidly as you did, but now you are on mm. the other side of the screen. What also was what you expected and what wasn't what you expected? What's what's the mechanics of getting TV news to air that shocked you, you know, from, from a previous viewer to now a supplier? It is hard work. You have to be prepared to put in long, long hours, make sacrifices, you know, give up going out for a drink with your mates because you have to work late and do a live in the 10 o'clock. You know, that it's not it's not easy. And I and I say that to absolutely everyone who wants to get into it. You know, it's not an easy ride. It's not all fun and games, whilst a lot of it, you know, it is really great and is fun and exciting and and you get to travel and you get to meet some wonderful people. It is really tough. And you have to be prepared to put in the hard work. And also, especially, you know, like we mentioned before, Paul, you know, being from an Asian background, you know, doubly hard work. I think you have to work hard to kind of jump even more hurdles than you normally would. Yes, it is getting easier and a lot of people are working hard to make it easier and fairer. Um, But, you know, that, that can be really, really tough. But my advice would be is dabble your foot in find out what it is you really want to do 
is it something you want to be on screen? Do you want to be a producer? Do you want to be a specific kind of package producer? Do you want to work on specialist news? You know, find out what it is you want to do and make a beeline for that. You know, work your absolute socks off to get to that point. There is no direct route. You've just got to hustle. And, you know, a few people have said to me kind of previous bosses and, and current bosses is that, you know, I'm a, I'm a big hustler. And when it comes to kind of speaking to bosses, trying to get your stuff seen, you have to hustle, you have to mither a bit, you have to kind of be a bit pushy, be a bit aggressive in, in some instances, but also just be yourself as well and make sure your personality comes through. It's quite tough to get all the balance of that and just thinking about it all. Flipping heck, I think sometimes how on earth have you managed to do it? But once you get there, it's really, really rewarding. It's really a, a great kind of view from from being halfway up the mountain where I kind of see myself at. I mean, you're at the beginning of an exciting career. If you don't mind me asking, do you have like a plan? I mean, would you swap the North for London or even a foreign posting? What about a beat as well? You've got a geographical beat. Mm. What about a sector beat? You know, I had Martin Brunt on the podcast uh, last year. And of course, he's fantastic. He's done crime for Sky for, for yeah. forever. And he does it incredibly well. You know, is there is there a is there a sort of sectoral beat that interests you? Brunty is an absolute legend and I've learned a lot from him when kind of he's come up to the north of England or if ever I've been down in London. And, and you know, what I love about kind of working at Sky as well, you've got these absolute legends that have worked on these beats for quite some time and you learn so much from them. Um, what I ever want to get into a, a specialism, I mean, I would never say never. My kind of thing is, you know, Paul, I, I love speaking to people. I love hearing people's stories I'm, I'm a very kind of people focused journalist and so yeah maybe kind of the, the kind of community affairs the, the social affairs beat would be something that fits me I, I love would love to do foreign news and, and my mind is my mind is open to kind of where I go next I just love doing what I do at the minute which is telling stories from the most amazing place in England I think very biased of course um but I but I would say that and and there are you know a wealth of stories up here which I love being able to tell the future you know let's see what lies I I do I do like the idea of being a foreign journalist and telling stories from South Asia you know where my family are originally from I can speak you know a, a few different languages including Arabic and and Urdu and Punjabi and so being able to jump into those communities and to tell stories from those communities in those countries would be a huge honor and a privilege as well. So, you know, at 28, I'm in a luxury kind of position to plan a bit and to really kind of decide what it is I want to do. And, you know, these things don't happen overnight. You've got to work hard to get there. You've got to knuckle down. You've got to deliver on a consistent basis. And, and you know, I hope uh, I do that enough for bosses to want to offer me what it is that I want to do in the future. Let's see. What's the piece of work, the piece of journalism that you've done so far in your career of which you're most proud? What's the best story you've worked on? Oh, that's really tough, you know. Um, <laughs> it's really tough. I've, I've done quite a few pieces which have made it to kind of parliament and they've been discussed in Westminster. I did a piece about how people leaving prison, offenders leaving prison, weren't getting any support for drug rehabilitation and it was quite disproportionate in different areas something that was discussed in parliament something that was taken to 
the Ministry of Justice and actually there was change brought in uh, just a few months after our report went out. And that, that, that's a really great feeling when you enact change. You know, I, I did um, the interview with the Chinese Consul General that I was mentioning. You know, he admitted to us on camera that he committed a crime. He admitted to us that he assaulted a Hong Kong uh, pro-democracy protester. I mean, that was brutal. It led to the, him being removed by the British government. And, and I think, you know, when you kind of do stories which have results and outcomes, coronavirus, when we reported on the disproportionate impact, that we unearthed the fact that the government were holding back recommendations on how to protect Black and Asian and ethnic minorities across the country during the pandemic, and you highlight these, these things, um, that is really rewarding. It's so difficult, Paul, to pin down one that I, I'm, I'm most proud of. I, I do, I tell a lot of stories because I'm really interested in them and I see also an element in there which needs to be exposed and which needs to be told. And so, uh, you know, I work hard and, and, and I have pride in, in all the stories that I tell. Is the physical sort of breaking of, of news exciting? I, I used to, well, I'm very good friends with a guy who used to be a Sky News journalist and we were once in a pub and he got some uh, inside information and he just rang the Sky News desk straight away and uh, within about 60 yeah. seconds, because he trusted his source and they trusted him, the, the yellow sort of breaking news strap happened and yeah. we were in a Weatherspoons and it was on the TV and I found that incredibly exciting. It is, it is really, really exciting, you know, getting that nugget of information which... You know, if it shocks you as a journalist, you know, flipping it, it's going to shock the nation. It's going to be a good bit of news that, you know, is important to tell. So that, yeah, that, that feeling of breaking a news story, of getting that information, of hearing what's gone on and then reporting on it is really exhilarating. And it and it and again, it's a, you know it's a really kind of blessed feeling that you have because you're in the very privileged position to tell the nation of something that's going on, often a wrongdoing, you know, or or a moment. And I think being able to tell the nation and and beyond, you know, Sky News and international channel, is a really great feeling. So yeah, I, 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 it gets my heart racing a bit, which is quite nice. It's not not to the point where. I'm going to have palpitations and, and I need an ambulance, but to the point where it really gets your adrenaline pumping and, and, and kind of reminds you of why you love this job so much. What are the downsides? I mean, I know, you know, no job has glamour. You've mentioned hard work. Uh, mm. Is it irregular hours? Well, I mean, you know, try to, if anyone's actively considering this, what are the things that would, that would put them off? <laughs> Look, I would never want to put, anyone off in this industry because it is the greatest industry I, I think to be a part of um and a real kind of privilege to be a part of it but yeah it is hard work it's really tough you know your, your social life becomes very limited and particularly when you're starting out Paul as well you know I remember kind of doing day shifts and night shifts working you know day shift as when I was a freelancer day shift kind of as um at Bauer Media and then going and doing a night shift at at BBC Radio 5 Live. And so your social life for a while when you're trying to make it can be non-existent. And I think you just have to accept that because once you once you do kind of get your foot in the door, yes, once the hard work continues and, you know, in some senses it can be a lot harder, you can be a lot more flexible with your time. You, you, you know, I'm in the privileged position now where, you know, I can time manage a, a bit better. 
which is really helpful uh, when you're kind of a growing man and and want to have a life and relationships and all that kind of stuff. That's that's really kind of useful. But there are those social elements which which can be a bit of a downside. And and also I think as well the press gets a lot of kind of it has a bad reputation in some instances. You know it gets a lot of abuse uh, by a lot of people especially on social media and things like that and so I think sometimes being a part of that is is quite difficult to take you have to be thick-skinned I think particularly if you want to be on telly particularly if you want to be you know a reporter or a presenter you have to have a thick skin and um, accept a lot of the kind of nonsense that you get from people who don't really have a clue about how things work and and are just kind of spouting any random hate on social media and things like that. What I find odd, though, is that the fourth estate, you know, journalism is the thing that holds power to account. It's what keeps politicians mm. honest. Like, it is, if you're a citizen, the fact that we have journalists and a free press is the very thing that stops society getting worse, and yet you guys are told your fake news. I mean... No one seems to have thought through yeah. the alternative that that Donald Trump could have then done anything he likes if uh, if if you know the journalism <laughs> failed in their their job to hold him to account. You know, it's it, it's it's interesting because yeah, you get a lot of people telling you fake news, fake news. You know, you're you're not telling the truth, and it's really difficult that because I don't have the time to tell people you know what's going on and how we get the news and and how we're telling the news and the reason that we're telling it you know this way. Um, Sky News is really built on impartial, trustworthy eyewitness reporting. And that's really important to me as well. As a journalist on the ground, witnessing the events, speaking to people who are at the heart of the story, you know, telling that story in a proper way is hugely important. And, you know, a lot of the kind of noise around the, the kind of whole fake news and, and people kind of kicking off at you not telling the story the way that they would want it to be heard or you're, they feel you're not doing it balanced, i.e., you know, more towards how they want it, kind of becomes white noise in a way. And, you know, you know what's balanced. As a journalist who's gone through and studied, you know, studied it and has been, has been doing it a good few years, you know what is balanced reporting you know what the guidelines are, you know what's right and what's wrong, and you know how your organization works in that sense. And so we we deliver we deliver it with impartiality. And I think that's hugely important that other organizations do that. And people realize that impartiality in news is vital and, and key, especially now more than ever. Because ultimately, most of the best stories are going to involve someone who doesn't want that story coming out. And then there is the other side, right? There's the other side where people do want it. So there's, there's, there is always two sides. And so, you know, you have to be able to balance it right. You've got to make sure that, you know, you have got the due diligent processes in place. You know, our lawyers uh, are sometimes our best friends, <laughs> you know, or or we, they probably wouldn't see it like that. But, you know, we, we are on the phone to the lawyers a lot to make sure that what we are putting out is fair, is correct, is within within Ofcom guidelines. You've got to remember we are regulated, um, unlike the newspapers, we have a regulator. And so, you know, we have to adhere to those guidelines. And that's hugely important. 
Um, and, you know, Sky News has its own editorial guidelines as well that it has to, that journalists have to adhere by. And I think that's hugely important. That I think in some instances even more robust than, say, what Ofcom have got in place. And I think that's important that we follow them and that people understand that we are here to tell the news, not to give opinions, but to report what the news is. And that's hugely important. Inzi, I think you're an incredibly inspirational journalist, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing what you achieve over the coming decades in your role. I wish you the very best of luck with your career, and thank you ever so much for doing the podcast. I really appreciate it. Paul, I really appreciate it. You'll probably see some more white hairs growing out of my beard uh, and the top of my head in the decades to come, but I really appreciate your time. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Well, wasn't that amazing? It was created and produced by Podcast Partners. They're really lovely people and rather good at all this podcasting guff. Find out more at podcastpartners.com. Listener.